Hey everyone, you're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be diving into what's top of mind for us right now, where we'll talk about the most timely and relevant topics that are probably in the minds of a lot of people out there in the HR world. Hope you enjoy. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, I've got a new mic. I'm pretty stoked about that. I've had this, this Amazon purchase mic that I was using for the first year of the Modern People Leader. And after seeing you step up your game and hearing how well you sounded in all of our podcast recordings, I was like, you know what? It's time to step up my game. So I have way too many mics now. (laughs) you seem to have a new mic every time we record nah i've been using this one for a while but uh i do have multiple mics i'll give you that nice nice i'm still waiting to see the modern people leader branded uh little sleeve that goes on your the mic i don't think you've you've brought that yet i'll throw it on for our next episode and give you a peek at it Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, it's been a while since we've had a, a one-on-one riff session, so I, I'm looking forward to this conversation. There are a few things that I want to tackle today, but I want to stick to our, our normal intro and start with good news stories. So I don't know if you have anything in mind, but I've got my good news nailed down. Go for it. I don't okay. have anything top of mind, so I'll, I'll be thinking about it as you talk. Cool, cool. Well, the Q1 is a busy quarter. Usually you look at that in business terms, but for me, it's also biz- it's a busy quarter just personally. So it feels like all of my family members have birthdays in January, February, March. Some trickle into to August, but primarily for me, my two daughters, their birthdays are in February and March. And so it's always stressful, but we're halfway through what I call the birthday quarter. And uh, so far, so good. There, there haven't been any tears, so I will take that as a success. There you go. Man, this is the first week where I'm struggling to think of good news stories. I feel like this is a cop-out answer, but I am five weeks out from my, my wedding. So, you know, that is good anticipation news. is building. Um, getting more excited every week. There's more details that need to be attended to the closer that we get. So uh, oh it's a combination of, you know, nerves, excitement, anticipation. Uh, so it's going to be a good time. That's my good news yeah, story. That will be, it will be that way leading right up to the ceremony. At least that was my, my experience. So yeah. Another good news that I can think of for you, you survived your first trip to Vegas. I did. Uh, yeah. So that's Came good. We haven't even talked week. about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great time. And uh, just a lot of fun hanging out with my brothers. I, you know, we never really do anything like that, go on a, a trip, just us three. So uh, might be a tradition going forward. Maybe not to go to Vegas every year, but to at least have like a, a yearly trip that we do. It had to have been pretty crazy with Super Bowl. Yeah, it was it was busy, but we left Sunday before that rush of traffic came in. We were out of there 
by like 11 a.m. Sunday. It's probably a smart move on your part. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually in these riffs, we, uh, we look at trending topics, articles, things that are trending on LinkedIn, and uh, there's been no shortage of HR people topics over the last couple of years, but I've got to be honest, there, there hasn't been a lot that we haven't covered out there, which is, I guess, cool in the sense that you know, we are staying ahead of the curve on the modern people leader in terms of people topics and challenges out there. But it does, it feels like the buzzwords in our space have slowed down a bit. With that said, there are a couple of notable topics, some news that I saw that, that was pretty interesting. So Bloomberg reported that the country of Belgium has passed a law that Belgians can request a four-day work week if they want. So this is like a national law that you can uh, request a four-day work week and still be considered a full-time employee. So that's so pretty awesome. How does that work? What does it so mean you have to, to request? So you have to submit a formal request to your employer. The employer can can say no, but they have to provide a an like a explanation. Reason? Yeah, Got and it. it has to be done in writing. Interesting. So it uh, to me, it's just cool that um, you know we started this conversation in August of last year. So I had to look back at our modern people leader. And I think we did, we actually did a one-on-one riff session, just totally dedicated to the four-day work week. And so now here, what, you know, six, seven months later, there are countries that are literally making this law. So not quite a requirement, but it's cool to see that the door is being open for more and more employees being able to to have a four-day work week. The other article that I that caught my eye was around the metaverse. And I got to be honest, I don't fully understand the metaverse, but there were kind of two things that jumped out at me. LinkedIn reported that JP Morgan is entering the metaverse from a business standpoint. And similarly, Verve reported that Disney has actually appointed a head of their metaverse strategy and in my experience where business goes, HR or the people function follows. So it seems like this is going to be a thing, the metaverse, and it's going to be pretty cool to see where, where this goes from a, a workplace perspective. I don't know. What are your thoughts on you know, working in a metaverse? Uh, gut, I guess, reaction is that's really weird. I can't imagine a day like throwing on a VR headset and meeting up with my colleagues in some virtual workspace. I think that would be, I, I just can't even really like fully, I don't know. I, I, I can't picture that. Like it seems so wild, but it's probably going to happen. <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't think we're too far away from that being a thing where people figure out how to create these virtual workspaces where you know people can show up and hang out and do work together maybe do whiteboarding sessions together um so you know instead of everybody getting on a zoom meeting maybe this is the new way of uh of of doing virtual meetings in the future maybe this is something that zoom monetizes feels like low-hanging fruit for them but uh yeah. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people out there that are going to want to monetize this. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 
Interesting. You know, I'm a big fan of the Star Conspiracy, big fan of, of Brett Starr. And I remember when I saw these articles, I remember seeing earlier this year news of the Star Conspiracy buying a VR headset for every single employee. And so I, I agree. We maybe we'll have to reach out to to Brett and have him come onto the show and specifically talk to us about the metaverse and and some of the trends that they see. But uh, but yeah, so they bought they bought every single employee and a VR headset, and so that they could work in the the metaverse or I guess prepare for for what's to come. Yeah, I still don't. I still can't wrap my head around it though. What do you think? Totally five, five years from now, sooner. I think it's going to be sooner. Yeah, I think there, it's going to be sooner. I think companies are going to continue to struggle figuring out the right mix of like remote versus in-person activities. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to continue to get low engagement scores or post survey feedback telling them that, that there's a desire for for more frequent connection. And I think the, it feels like the easiest way of doing that is through like a metaverse strategy. But, but again, like that, I guess what I have to reorient my mind around is like that that's actually connecting. (laughs) Cause to me, a, a VR event where the two of us are interacting is still not real connection, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl, but one of the commercials was for MetaQuest 2, which is, I guess, a game that, fa- that, sorry, not Facebook, Meta is putting out. And it's this really interesting commercial. So it starts off with these like sad Chuck E. Cheese looking characters um, <laughs> who uh-huh. basically have been discarded and forgotten about. And it shows like the life cycle of what do you call those? You know what I'm talking about? Like those big dancing Chuck E. Cheese characters that are like dancing back and forth for like the children's parties. Yeah. As a kid, I loved them. Now they terrify me. Yeah. They're pretty exactly. creepy. It's like looking. the, it's so, like the sing-along band, but exactly. So yeah. it shows one of these, one of these machines getting thrown away, getting repurposed for this, getting repurposed for that. And then eventually ends up in like some modern looking lobby of a building and some guy throws on a VR headset for, for one of these uh, characters. And then it goes and meets up with all of its buddies from its band. And oh, all the homies, in, but in the metaverse world? Exactly. That's basically wow. what it was. It was like old friends, new memories or something like that. And yeah, so I, if people are going to start hanging out with, with, with their friends in the metaverse, I don't think it's too far off for us to potentially work together in the metaverse i mean i we we talked about gen z we talked about gen z a lot actually the last couple months and you know when i look at my daughters like the the tools and games that they're using at school first of all everything you know everything is virtual like before pre-covid they you could have a laptop at school, but now they're required. Like all the work is done on a laptop now. And um, the games that they're playing, like there's this game Roblox, I think is what it's called, probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, But it essentially is like a metaverse type of environment 
where like you go into rooms, you interact with each other. And it's something like 75%. I'll have to go find the, the exact metric, but it was an astonishingly high metric of like kids under the age of 18 that have played this game. And so they're just used to like interacting and collaborating with their friends in this world. That's when I guess it became a reality for me. And so my oldest daughter, she's 11, right? So five years off might not be, might not be uh, impossible if that's yeah, kind of, and, if she's already getting used to that kind of interaction. When I think about my middle school, high school days, that was around the time that online gaming on Xbox, like getting on Xbox live and playing call of duty with friends became a thing. And I think it normalized the idea of hanging out with your friends in a virtual setting. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I mean, okay, this is like 2009 ish. I don't know. Would you say that it was, it was common in the workplace to have virtual meetings, to have zoom meetings or anything like that? Hell no. Absolutely not. Yeah, so it feels like the the gaming space is always a step ahead. So if this metaverse for um, kicking it with friends is a thing right now, then maybe the next evolution is some big, big companies, big B two B companies selling software that allows you know people to hang out in a virtual space together or coworkers to hang out in a virtual space together. Well, like I, like I said earlier, I know the guys over at Star Conspiracy are like super, super smart and they know a lot about the workplace. So if they are like heading, heading in that direction, you know, companies like JP Morgan and Disney are, are officially investing in the space that, uh, that there's, there's gotta be something there. So we'll see. We will see. But that's really it. That's all I, that's all I've got from a news perspective today. I wish I had more for you. Yeah, I learned something. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> I honestly, uh, yeah, I I had no idea that that Belgium had passed a, a law that employees can work a four day week. So that's really interesting. I mean, I guess on my end, one thing that I've been doing the past couple of weeks that I'm going to start doing going forward is creating, I guess, recaps of different people that we've talked to, and okay. you know the way that. Uh, it's formatted as, you know, five things that I learned from Liz Fossland or five things that I learned from Katie Burke or five things that I learned from Refine Labs. And going through this exercise, it's really helping me to, I guess, soak in all of the information that we're getting from our guests, from our wonderful, wonderful, really smart guests, and um, to sort of reflect on these conversations. And it's really interesting to, I guess, re-listen to these conversations, sort of look at the main takeaways and then compare those takeaways episode to episode and see some of the common threads. I feel like that there's a lot of common threads when it comes to culture, when it comes to talent acquisition. Um, so yeah, I'm curious, have you, have you noticed the same thing? So first of all, I love that you're doing this reflection and like taking notes and creating a space to to reflect on the great things that uh, that our our guests are sharing. There, there's so much packed in. When I have re-listened to a Modern People episode, I just it like it's this continual like mind blowing exercise of like listening to all the things that 
these amazing people are sharing with us. So I I feel like very grateful to, to have the opportunity to have these conversations. And so to be able to, to reflect on it, like I'm immediately, I'm committing to, to doing the same thing because, uh, you know, it's, it's right in line with like the journaling practice that I shared about with our, in our, our conversation with Liz, um, and that I've shared with you before, um, same type of thing. I think we, uh, uh, there'll be a lot that I can learn from from doing something similar. Um, as far as topics or trends across the the last few conversations, um, you know, I've been on the culture bandwagon, but for sure, culture. I think there there's a commonality between specifically in the last three episodes that we've had that like where we had guests come to the conversation. Um, culture has been clearly a thread there. And, um, and so I think, you know, to, to share a little bit of my reflection, I would be curious to see if you, if you agree, but, um, the notion that, that culture is organic and that that's something that changes over time. Um, I think it was Katie that said, you know, there are things that stay the same. There are things that, uh, that change, and, and for me, like, I'm a big believer that changes is, is the constant. Like, that's the one thing that you can't, that, that you've got to embrace. Um, and so I, I definitely think that, that that is also something that was shared with, you know, when, when we had the Refined Labs team on, we had Megan and Jessica, you know, they, they talked a lot about the culture book that they did. And uh, I think that, some of the things that I heard there were around opening up their culture to everyone that touches their brand and this notion of like transparency. Um, and, uh, and so I think that's another thing that, that jumped out at me. Um, and, and Liz, I think talked to, to culture in, in more of an indirect way, but some of the things that she shared, um, you know, what was it? I took a note here that, um, that Liz mentioned historically, the workplace hasn't been friendly to feelings that, you know, it's just something. So there hasn't really been a culture of, you know, opening up to feelings and, and allowing these conversations to really happen. And I think that there's that all of these things are, are changes that are, that are happening right now that are real to companies, you know, that, and I think the the takeaway for our listeners is like these are very practical things that you know you can start you know having leadership training around empathy and and EQ right uh, emotional IQ and or you know looking at a, a culture playbook and you know documenting like where you're at from a culture perspective and and moving into a, a place of transparency around culture. And coming full circle back, um, you know, really listening to some of the things that Katie shared with us around how do you evolve your culture? Because she, you know, there's a lot of uh, nuggets of wisdom that she shared just in terms of like, how do you begin to change? How do you keep the things that you, that you should hold on to? And how do you evolve the things that no longer are serving you well? Yeah, I, I also like how... I like how the the Refined Labs team went about putting together the culture playbook, how it was a series of, or it was a combination of going on a listening tour 
and talking to all the different members of the team and asking them, what is it that brought you here? Why do you choose to stay? And what could be better? So it focuses on three things like what attracted you to our brand? Like what made it, what, what about this, this opportunity was so enticing that you wanted to join and like be a part of what we're doing. Why do you choose to stay? So like, why is, why, what's great about your work experience? And then not only focusing on the present, but focusing on the future. And if we could improve, like, where could we improve? Because that, you know, our culture might be good, but it can always be better. And, um, yeah, I love that and how, you know, they, they focus on, uh, or they also listed out their ah, hell no list where they list out the behaviors that, that just aren't accepted. So I, I just love the, what, what was it that, um, that Megan said that you, that culture is something that you have to nurture and protect and that you need to be really clear about what's acceptable from a culture standpoint, what behaviors are acceptable and not acceptable. And yeah. in the instance of the not the hell nas, you've got to put boundaries in place to address those things, those behaviors so that they don't persist. Yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty genius. The other common thread as I was just listing out how they went about it, thinking about the talent attraction piece for, for refined labs and really that being around like a sense of purpose because they have such a strong point of view as a company, as it relates to how they're thinking about B2B marketing, like the way that they're thinking about it is completely different. And that attracts people because it gives them a sense of purpose. Like I want to join this movement. And, um, when we talked to Katie about HubSpot's award-winning culture, it all came back to purpose. Like, you know, I think that their people analytics team did some work to look into the top, top, you know, reasons that they're retaining people. And I think what they found was purpose. Like when people felt like they had purpose in their role, they were more likely to stay. And uh, yeah, the, the one thing she did add, uh, was while they have this great sense of purpose at HubSpot, they don't take themselves too seriously. And she talked about how humor was a big part of, or is a big part of the HubSpot culture. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how other companies can kind of like tap into that, but, you know, maybe the takeaway is at the end of the day, like, you know, while we might have fulfilling work and we might have this sense of purpose, most of us aren't saving lives. So like, relax, you know, like, uh, do good what work, was it? be passionate Sheesh. about what you do. But at the end of the day, we're just like all trying to be happy, trying to have fun, trying to make the most of our experiences. Yeah. I loved that their founder CEO, I can't remember who exactly it was, but one of the key leaders at, at HubSpot measured, you know, the number of belly laughs per week That's what it was. per day. Like yeah, that, exactly. Such a cool metric. So quirky, so different to what so many, how so many other companies look at culture and, you know, the type of culture that they want to have. But I, you know, it's spot on, like life is short. We should have 
passion and fun and all the things that we strive for in our personal lives, like I believe we deserve the same in, in our work lives. Like if that's important to you, I, I guess some people, you know, that's not so important. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that those are good call outs. I'm curious what, what are there any other themes or trends you've seen across the last few? Well, you mentioned attracting the way new ways of attracting talent. Um, the, yeah. as you were talking, actually, I, you know, that was something that Katie talked about a lot also was, yeah, you know, and, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. We, I'm probably going to say the same exact thing that you're saying, but, uh, there were a lot of parallels between what the refined labs team was saying and what Katie was saying. And both of them are thinking about how do we better understand our ideal candidate that we want to work at our company and translate that into our future of work strategy or our employer brand. And yeah, it was just really interesting. So like, for example, uh, for example, Katie was saying that they had a panel that they put together where they invited recent graduates from college they invited more senior software engineers and they invited career advisors from, from different universities to all talk about what it is that, you know, people want in the, in the, the workplace. And rather than the company just making decisions about their future of work strategy, because there's a couple of strong opinions on the leadership team, they, they sought out feedback. They asked, you know, the people that they're trying to bring into the company directly, what is it that you're looking for? And then in addition, they brought in experts on work to talk about different topics, whether it was benefits or remote work or, you know, whatever, and laid out the facts and presented alternative ways of, of doing things in not only did this educate the leadership team, but it was something that the entire company was invited to. And it brought everyone together to come up with the future of work strategy as one, as opposed to it being like this top-down decision. And it was uh, more of a bottoms-up approach. And then when we talked to Refine Labs, they think about who is it that would make a perfect Refine Labs employee. And for them, it's like, do they have the same marketing philosophy? Because that's huge for them, right? Like they're trying to do things completely differently. And what do these people care about? So what, what topics do these people care about, whether it's marketing related or culture related or, you know, whatever it may be. And how do we get this content in front of this audience? So what, what channels are they hanging out on? So in their case, it's LinkedIn. So they have, you know, uh, visibility. Uh, so their execs are extremely visible on LinkedIn. Almost every member of their team at their, you know, 85, 90 person company is active on LinkedIn. And they're talking about their point of view. And this is attracting more ideal fit candidates because it's like, oh, this... Chris Walker guy. 
I really like what he has to say about marketing. Like I agree with him. I'm experiencing all the same things. Maybe I want to go work for his agency. Oh, this, you know, Megan Bowen, she has some really interesting things to say about the workplace and whether it's culture or leadership or just like personal development. Like she seems like she would be a great person to work for. I'm going to follow her. So, you know, you're following all these different people from their company and you really have, it really brings to life what the company is all about. And, you know, their point was the people that are coming inbound, DMing them on LinkedIn or just coming straight to the website and saying, oh, I've been following people at your company for a long time and I've always wanted to work there. Like it's just bringing in ideal fit candidates that are converting into to new hires at a really high rate. So I know I kind of rambled there, but I guess the common thread was they both are seeking out feedback from the market of potential candidates that they would want to work for their companies and either curating content um, to attract those people or putting together a future of work strategy that works best for that group of people. Right. And I mean, I think there, if we think about the first kind of theme of culture and how, like how to improve culture or evolve your culture and this second theme of attracting talent, like there's what I am taking away as we talk through this, like there's a connection between the two. I think the way that Katie described it was that culture is like, who, who are you telling people you are and how are you doing on delivering on that promise? And where are your employees saying that you fall short of that promise? And that was like her example of those are the parts of your culture that probably need to evolve. And, and another thing that she mentioned was that when you are looking at how you attract talent, attract talent, excuse me, you know, she said, what are you selling that the candidates are buying and how well do you live up to fulfilling that vision of, of the brand? And to me, that's like your, your employer brand. And, and I think, you know, first to really compete in this, this new way of attracting talent, you got to be you really have to nail down your culture and speak to it in, in ways or your employer brand, whatever you, if, if your employer brand is the external manifestation of your culture, yeah. then you really have to be able to clearly articulate like who you are and why that should be compelling to, uh, to the talent out there. And, and if you're doing that, then, um, then we're back to this notion of attraction versus a promotion. Like that should do it selling that, you know, it should sell itself. And I think, yeah that, you know, with refined labs, like it's so, so genius to leverage the marketing playbook that is hugely disruptive. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned in, in that episode was like, we have a podcast because we believe in the refined labs way of looking at marketing. Like that was a key contributor. There are other factors involved, but that certainly was like, like a key reason when we heard the way that Chris Walker talked about how, you, you know, this new way of selling, um, it was very much attracting your, your buyer versus like beating them over a head with, you know, a 10 cadence email and yada, yada, yada. And I think the same holds true for how we buy products to how we choose who we want to work with and what, yeah. you know, where we're going to park our career for the next, you know, two, three years. 
And so I am, um, you know, I, I see, so, so sorry, I zoomed out a little bit no, to connect no, no, like, like the it. topic of culture yeah. and, and talent attraction, but you know, I, I agree. Like, I think the, the, and, and we've heard other companies talk about it or, or prior guests talk about it in ways that, that weren't as kind of succinct and clear, but you know, we're essentially leading us down this path of like the new way of recruiting talent is really attracting them with your employer brand and, and, you know, the importance of winning the war on talent today is, you know, is really coming back to having an employer brand that resonates. Yeah. And in order to have an employer brand that resonates, it has to be an accurate and very authentic, uh, manifestation of your internal, uh, company culture. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the one Absolutely. thing, as we were having this entire conversation, I, um, I think at the beginning, so when, we, when I asked, when I asked, uh, Jessica and Megan, like, why should we be jealous that, that y'all get to work at refined labs? I want to say that one of them, one of them spoke to psychological safety, how mm-hmm. they have created a safe space for people to, uh, push the boundaries to, you know, try new things, to speak up whenever maybe they don't agree with something, but in a respectful way. And uh, I want to say it was Megan for her good news story. She talked about how, or maybe I can't remember if it was Megan or Jessica, but one of them said how in one of their leadership meetings, somebody admitted that they weren't doing well or that they were having a bad day. And for her, it was a big win because that's the kind of culture that they wanted to create. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just makes me think about our conversation with Liz and how historically the workplace hasn't been friendly to feelings. And a lot of times when you think about feelings in the workplace, you think about the emotional outbursts. We've either experienced them ourselves or we've witnessed it from somebody else in the team. And I think to your point in the last episode, it's embarrassing, like it's shameful. And the way to prevent that from happening is by having psychological safety, creating a safe space where people, I mean, I guess it's more than psychological safety. It's that in giving people the skills to deal with things when they're much smaller or feel comfortable dealing with things when they're much smaller. So having like a respectful conversation with somebody about something that's maybe bothering them before it festers and turns into resentment and then turns into like, you know, this uh, angry confrontation in the workplace. So I don't know. I, 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 it's interesting to, to think about the parallels there um, between, you know, her book, Big Feelings, which addresses these seven big feelings that people have been feeling the past couple of years and tying that back to psychological safety. Well, yeah, and I, I think that to me that comes back to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Yeah, um, they're specifically all specifically. Oh yeah, 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 and and you know I think the more I've listened to our guests talk about you know the cha- the importance, and I think it there most people get on board with the importance of a topic like belonging, right? Yeah. 
but they don't know. I feel like there's still a lot of executives and, and HR practitioners that are struggling. Like, how does this connect to all the things? And, and for me, the connection is what you just hit on. Like if, if the company I work for um, creates a psychologically safe place for me to work, it's going to be a lot easier for me to show up, you know, with whatever feeling or emotion or challenge that I'm dealing with. And there's a never ending stream of challenges in today's day and age. Like life just seems to be really hard and, um, and heavy. And, and it's, and because of, you know, the way we work being so tightly connected, you know, our home life and our work life being so integrated now, it, it's even more important. And, and so I think the, the, having a culture where I feel like I truly belong, where that is even a, a possibility is, is something that is going to be more and more important. And, you know, Megan and Megan and Katie both brought this up um, in the, the conversations that when we were talking about culture and, uh, and I think with, with the refined labs group, they, they mentioned why, how creating, you know, the culture playbook was really about creating transparency and a sense of belonging. Um, and so I, I view these things, these concepts all being interrelated and being connected and there I'm starting to see, you know, a, the way that you can approach connecting all of these things. Um, and at the end of the day, like if you, the, the table stakes are, are high, right. And if you can, uh, if you can attract the best talent and you're just getting inbound leads for, for talent, the way that a refined labs is like, I don't know any CEO that would have an issue with that, <laughs> yeah. but yet there's still CEOs that are struggling to get on board with, you know, diversity, inclusion, and belonging initiatives, or like really in, truly investing time and energy in that. So it's, it's interesting to me, but yeah, I, uh, I but like definitely more- all interrelated. Yeah, I, I think when we we started this podcast uh, over a year ago, I was definitely a noob on all things, you know, HR or, or people ops. And um, when I looked at the different buckets of culture, employer brand, um, you know, DEIB, uh, all of these different things that we talk about, I thought they were like separate buckets. But the more of these chats that we have, the more I'm realizing they're all connected. It's all talking about really the same thing, but like different ways that it's manifested. Um, so I don't know. And, and, yeah, I think my 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 biggest takeaway is you know being able to speak to these things in practical, like everyday in a practical everyday way um, will take your efforts to the next level in my mind. And so, you know, take note, listen to the guests that we're having on because they're sharing some really powerful and game-changing things in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. With that, I think, yeah, I mean, there's, (laughs) I think that's, that is a, is there, there, are there any other trends that themes that you can think of that we're missing? I mean, the only thing that I can think of is 
from the question that we ask at the end of every episode, or we've been asking for the past few episodes. And it's basically like, what would you tell your 22-year-old self? And mm. it feels like the the common trend that we're, we're, or the trend that we're seeing from these responses is like, basically run your own race. You don't need to be CEO or a millionaire by the time you're 25. Take your time. Optimize for learning. Be open-minded. Don't don't tell yourself that there's only one path to success for your career. Success, you know, might look completely different than what you think it does right now. But yeah, just run your own race and uh, try to learn as much as you can. Try to have fun. Never sacrifice your mental health or your ethics. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It, it just felt like the the main the main response was like chill out like <laughs> yeah It'll i know you're okay 22 year old self i know you're super ambitious but you're gonna be okay and even if it doesn't go according to plan you're gonna be all right everything's gonna, gonna be out. fine yeah, yeah yeah everything's gonna be fine well i think i i agree with all that and uh i think i wish my 22 year old self could have heard all of this advice back then. So for all of our young listeners out there, everything's going to be just fine. Yeah, maybe (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) No, it'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. Well, on that note, I, I think we can, uh, we can close this up. Great episode. Great chat. Good talking to you, Steven. Take care. Talk later. Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of the Modern People Leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.